myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, we conclude October with another spooky fear. Uh, Jay Ag- Comedian Jay Agbon is my guest this week. Jay was a comic here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area who moved to D.C. about three years ago. He is making a name for himself in the D.C. comedy scene. Doing well. He was back in town for a few weeks back in uh, late September. So we agreed to do an interview. And so in this interview, we talk about his life in Washington, D.C., doing comedy in the D.C. area versus Dallas. And then we get into his fear of authentically haunted houses and how that has affected his life and growing up as in a religious family. We talk about a little bit about religion and the things we'd like to be better. So let's get into my interview with Jay Agbon. All right, my guest this week is comedian Jay Agbon. Jay has been has was a Dallas comic and then he has moved out to DC where he is making comedy waves as well as working and living in the DC area, which I'm sure has a lot of interesting because there's so many so many cities that just like intersect in that DC area. You got Baltimore, you've got Arlington, Virginia, you've got you know, Maryland, D.C., all this, I guess, all of this is just like intersecting in one, I guess, major city. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of overlapping. It's it's I mean, it's kind of similar to uh, the DFW in that, you know, Dallas has like Dallas, Fort Worth, the mid cities and then up to Denton and stuff like that. The DMV uh, D.C. is like very similar because it's like. Virginia is very much culturally the South, and then it overlaps with D.C., which is its own, like, metropolis. And then Maryland is, like, a weird amalgamation of both the South and metropolis. And then there's, like, Baltimore, which is its own cluster. (laughs) It's its its own thing. Uh, And then you're close to, like, Philadelphia and Delaware and New Jersey and New York. So it's it's really good. It's, It's amazing up here. Yeah, you're like almost kind of like the hub for the East Coast, basically. You're the DFW hub for the for all the East Coast. You're not too far north or south. You could probably go to Florida, not too too far of a drive. Yeah, I mean, Florida, Florida is a little bit far, but like I've, Atlanta is like, it took us 10 hours to go to Atlanta, which isn't bad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, especially if you're from Texas, that's like, a oh, that's that's a drive, but it's not excessive. Um, but like you can get down to like North Carolina in like four hours. So, yeah, that's one thing. Like I, you realize how small other states are when you, when you move out of Texas, because I've driven to El Paso and that's like an eight or nine hour drive. And you're still in Texas from start to finish. Like you're still with El Paso. You're probably 30 minutes from the border, maybe tops. Yeah. And the amount of time it would take you to drive to El Paso or even like South Padre, right? Which is like eight hours, 10 hours, maybe mm-hmm. from Dallas. I ha- I could have driven to 
past uh, to Boston and then past Boston a little bit and probably into Vermont. Because to from here to Boston is six six to seven hours. Here to Connecticut is six to seven hours, and then it's like three hours from both of those places into Vermont driving. So, so that's have, like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was just saying it's eight states or something. But so, have you made that trip to Boston or to New York from DC at this point? Yes. Yeah. I routinely go up to, um, I've been up to Boston. I'm trying to go back soon. So it's, I mean, cause it's so easily accessible. It's just like, might as well go up. Like New York is legitimately three and a half, four hours away, which is the distance between Dallas and Houston. So that's, that's really, I guess, like enticing. That's very nice. So how long had, like, how long have you been in DC? Has it been a year? <laughs> it's, it's been three. Oh my god! Like it's, it's I didn't three. feel like it's been three years. Like it always feels like it's been a year or so since you've moved up there. I I forget that you like pretty much moved up right as I took over, like hyenas booking for the openers. Like that's and I forget that that was back in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 also weird because like COVID happened, so we all lost like a chunk of time. But yeah, it's been three years it was like five of us all moved at the same time to different cities and yeah Baji's in the west coast you're on the east coast mm-hmm. i think damon uh Dalt- and dalton's up in new york yeah dalton's in new york jamie gravy had moved but he's he's back in texas now so so what is what if well, i say what have you do you think You've benefited from moving from Dallas. Did, did Dallas comedy benefit you in any way when you moved to DC, or do you feel like you uh, started over? I mean, I think when I moved, I moved. I was three years, maybe three and a half years in, and so it's, most of that had been spent in Dallas. And like, I I was very good when I left. Like, I not to not to toot my own horn, but I, I think I was like good. Uh, and when I came up to DC, like it was very evident that like Dallas had prepared me very well. Like mm-hmm. I was, I, uh, people that were my year were about the same level, and they had the. You, you remember Dallas back in the day? It was great, but it was mm-hmm. we didn't have like a hub close to us, so it's not like Austin wasn't what it is now. So it was like we were all kind of just like, if you were traveling, you were going you might've been going to Austin or you might've been going to OKC, but like neither of those cities were as well versed in comedy as they are now. So it's not like you were thriving in Dallas. We were kind of just making it on our, on our own and kind of putting our people up. And then at a certain level, they would leave to New York or LA. And when I got out here, even though uh, DC has like very good access to New York and East coast cities and it's comedy scene is fantastic. I think um, and it it's comedy scene equips its comedians in like very beneficial but different ways than Dallas. Uh, when I came up here, it was like, oh yeah, no, I'm 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 fine. Like I'm I'm thriving up here. And I think um, I, my strengths that Dallas gave me were a lot different than like people of a comparable time and skill level to me mm-hmm. when I got here. So they have DC is like a great comedy city because for several reasons. Uh, one that it's easy access to the East coast, but two, because all the people in DC are like 
there's a range of ages, but they all work in either consulting, government, or excuse me, contracting of some sort, which are very high stressful jobs that necessitate you to be on for eight to 10 hours and like, had like work your mind. They are always looking for something fun to do. And so what that manifests is like people, like everything is always packed and like comedy shows. If, if it's a paid show, if it's an open mic, you're just always, it's always going to be packed, which is great, especially developmentally for you to like deal with that. But then when I got up here, and I'm sitting here, I'm thriving, you know, five people, three people, 15, I'm making a, a good show no matter what, but like anything less than uh, kind of packed house, they would be like, uh, 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 start sweating and not know what to do. So they don't always know how to deal with kind of like rough rooms, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, like hostile rooms. Okay. And so that was something I noticed was that because Dallas, as great as it is, uh, we're going to be more likely just given the nature of taxes to run into more hostile rooms outside of the clubs. I was, I was very well versed with that. You know what I mean? We had, we had, uh, what was that place up in Louisville? We had hat tricks, you know what I mean? Yeah. I did hat tricks for two and a half years. I, I'm, I'm a veteran of like yelling at people and having things thrown at me up here. You know, they, that's unheard of. So people be kind of scatterbrained if they had to do a room like that but it's not i think dc has made me a better comic in terms of like my ability to like craft jokes that i think are better suited to my personality (laughs) and closer to the comedy i want to do um but i would never exchange that for like dallas is like out of the frying pan into the fire like bro you got to be good at comedy or else you're gonna get yelled at by a very drunk 48 year old woman who doesn't love her husband and is at this bar just to drink and forget. Yeah. Which is great. Dallas is, it's to me, it's a very underrated scene and it put, it puts out like consistent hitter. I, I, I'll like everybody that leaves Dallas and goes to a new city immediately within like a year maybe not immediately but within like a year or two establishes themselves as like a top person of whatever city they've moved to and i think that's because they have the base that dallas provided them i just think what makes us great is that no audience is really a comedy audience whereas the east coast has had comedy shows for years so i feel like they have a comedy club behavior that they kind of treat it like an opera or something like that so it's something that people Yes, you'll always have people in the room, but you'll have people that are always respectful. Whereas in Texas, no one knows what's going on. They have their own ideas of what comedy is, and so they start heckling you. They'll start talking, or you know, they'll have a conversation. You have to learn how to overcome, adapt and overcome to that scene. And that's where I think, again, what you were talking about with the rough stuff that they don't have, they don't have the bar shows because everybody knows what comedy is about, and so they're kind of like, okay. They're prepared for comedy. Texas, even if we have like a comedy audience. Yeah, that's no guarantee that they're going to be <laughs> there for comedy. Yeah, some people is... like they just sometimes they think, you know, that they should talk to you during the show. And it's like, no, that's not. We're helping. No, you're not helping. You're. No, you're not. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. And so I feel like it's. It, you you benefit from being in an uneducated audience as far as what the verses of comedy versus, you know, a D.C., New York area where everybody's aware 
of how comedy should be. And because there's such comedy is such a regular event in their city, like it's a seven in New York, it's seven days. You can, there are paid shows Mm -hmm. that you can go watch national headliners seven days a week, Monday through Friday. And And even, even DC is not that far off from like seven days of like quality comedy. Yeah. Paid every paid admission, not paid for the comics that, those are two different things. No, pay, even <laughs> paid for the comics. Even yeah. paid for the comics up here in D.C. We got them, um, maybe not seven days a week, but pre-COVID, it was close to seven days a week you could do a show where you could get paid. Yeah. I would say we're getting to the point where, you know, there's a Wednesday show here, you know, like a paid Wednesday show, but very rarely. Most of the time it's Thursday through Saturday here. And so... Mm-hmm. And that's such a different aspect is because we just live and die by the Dallas Cowboys here. Like this is such a sports city. Like it is. Yeah. And they have like Dallas has its like thriving music scene. It has its like obviously sports. It has it has a lot of things like entertainment wise. Um, And like so I mean so does D.C. But like I don't think comedy was never one of the things that Dallas would put itself put as one of its top um attractors mm-hmm. even though it should have been you know what i mean because oh, yeah. it's like the quality was always there but yeah. people are just they just it's just a, it's 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 rich stuffy old i guess oil tycoons and trust fund kids and so they you know have the they have the front row to everything and they just don't, you know, outside, you know, I think Netflix here is more detrimental than it is maybe in other cities just because you have quality comics. Is that your roommate? Oh, can you hear? God damn it. <laughs> it is. That is my roommate. Um, <laughs> I was like, it sounds like the real, either that or you're watching the real housewives. I don't know. No, they're just, he's just very loud. Okay. Fair enough, but so what's it? So did how did you meet your roommate? Is this somebody you moved there with, or is it somebody that you met that's a DC, that more DC? Are they also a comic? Uh yeah, both of my roommates are DC comedians. Um, I like when I moved here, I was living with um this girl that was my roommate when I was in my at masters in my masters program, mm-hmm. um, and she's the one who got me the job up here, and I moved here, and then like. COVID hit and we just decided we, we were better off as friends and not as roommates. Uh, <laughs> so we, know, like we a, had a roommate. Hmm? Sounds like a relationship more than roommates, but yeah, I was going to say, well, it, it was, it, I mean, there was no, there was no formal relationship. We never were, but it was like, we were, we known each other. We've been living together for like four years at that point. You know what I mean? So like one year in in our master's program and then two and a half up here so close to four years and then COVID hit and uh, she's a wonderful person very quiet though and very like reserved Mm -hmm. and it just when COVID hit and I think like all comedians I was going a little bit crazy because I wasn't talking to anyone so Mm -hmm. I would talk to her and she was very she was very nice about it like she would talk to me but she's like introverted 100 percent. so she doesn't like talking so there was just a a, 
uh, issue where it's like my minimum threshold of talking was well beyond her maximum threshold of talking and it very quickly turned into uh two divorce two parents that like stopped loving each other a long time ago but are staying in the marriage for the kid you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that's the that was the energy that was in the house at all times so uh and i i already decided i was moving at that point so once everything opened up uh I knew these two guys and they were like, we were all kind of looking for a place to live. We stumbled onto our house, which is like very good rent in a very nice part of town. So we just all moved in together. Is that saving you any money from the previous situation, having two extras or is the house cost? Does moving in with three comics in this house like cheaper or did it end up costing, you know, a little bit more to get the house versus an apartment? Um, it is, it, it was the same okay. roughly. I'm paying, I'm paying about $5 less okay. Uh, now that I live in the city and I live closer to all the mics and all the shows and stuff. So it makes more sense. Plus it's a house. I, I feel like that's a much better situation. You're not having to go pat, you know, open an apartment or get, get to a complex or find parking. You have a driveway. Yeah. And then we we're all, since we're all comedians, we all kind of understand each other's schedule. I think that's, which is great because we'll all come home and it'll be like before when I was living with regular people, I would come home and I wouldn't start cooking dinner because I would get off work at seven and then go do mics and stuff and shows. And I wouldn't come home until maybe 10 to 1130. Mm-hmm. And then I would cook dinner and stuff. So like people, they would be like, oh, who, Jay, you're cooking dinner at 1130. That's late. I get home here and I start cooking dinner. But my roommates are either in the middle of cooking dinner or they're walking in after me and being like, hey, so what are we making for dinner? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like a better. Yeah, it's, each other. I guess you it's more like minds. And what's what would you say is your biggest challenge in the DC comedy, I guess? seen now that you're i guess fairly established and again hitting you know you're you're in an environment where you've got other comics with you like so what is your what would you say is the biggest challenge as far as the dc comedy scene providing um just i mean like my problem is probably right now is probably the same as everyone's which is consistently getting up because uh, you know post-covid we're just everything is turning back is like starting up again but also like I'm at a I'm I would say I'm at a point where everyone who like knows of me knows that I'm consistently a funny person. Like I'm I'm consistently good on stage. Whether or not I'm like the best or whatever, I people would be like, oh Jay, he's a he's a funny comedian. Uh but now it's just a matter of like having the right people, I guess. Um, know that I'm a, a funny comedian consistently in both in, in DC and then like also like I think s- spreading like going out and doing comedy in other places is also like something that like I'm I'm trying to focus on because it's it's great to be good in DC and get like booked in DC but you also you know want to go get booked other places so it's yeah. like Go, making sure to go up to New York and like talk to people and like network. So ne- networking would probably be the the long short. It's like okay. 
that's the most difficult thing. I think, I don't know, I don't know if you could tell me because you've been at it longer than I have, but I think past a certain amount of time, that's, that's what it's going to come down to is like the most important thing is just networking with people and like getting your tape or getting you across to as many important people as possible that can like help you help facilitate you yeah i would say at at the moving from opener to middle act and then consistently getting road work is going to be the emailing clubs and seeing if you can get a response to how was your booking what is your booking process stuff like that and Mm -hmm. just building rapport to say hey you might you should look at using me in your shows and so it it's a very awkward dance and stuff and it's not something i'm very good at because i'm not very i'm not used to like trying to talk about how great i'm used to sitting in my room and moping about how how bad it's going and so it's like oh this is a different (laughs) this is totally different i have to somehow what are my good points i mean i have some but it's just it's hard for you to see your own benefits. It's easier to see your own flaws. And that's, I guess that's just something you always, as a negative person, that's what you always look at is what can I do better? Other than, you know, instead of saying, what do I do well? And so we'll talk, since you're talking about your house and living a house, we'll, we'll transition to what you're afraid of, which is very interesting fear. Um, I don't know how many people have tried to, I guess, take you on these places. So tell people what you're afraid of. Okay. So I personally am afraid of like hauntings and go, but like real ones, real ghosts and hauntings and being haunted. I don't, I don't fuck with ghosts. Like the concept of ghosts is fine, but the actuality of ghosts, which I guess people are, they're going to laugh. They're like, ghosts aren't real. Listen, fuck you. I'm not playing with it. How did this start? Did somebody take like where did this like I guess stem from? Because it's such an interesting idea that you you won't even like like entertain the idea of going to these places or experiencing it. So it had to have started I, with somebody. So I think because you 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 told me to think about it, and I was I was I, I was thinking about it, and I think it's like partially a cultural thing, right? Okay. Where it's like if you. I don't, you know, if you're like black American or even like African, there's this kind of very real sense of like you, even if you don't believe it, Mm -hmm. your, your, your parents or your grandparents, there's someone in your family that knows about like voodoo and like hauntings and like ghosts and fully believes in that aspect of like whatever, like spirituality, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it. And I think most of us were taught hey, you know what? We don't fuck with that. Even if you don't believe in that, it fall, that shit falls under like the devil category. So if you yeah. grew up in a very Christian household, it's like, ah, that's that's the devil shit. So uh, on that level, I think I never really fought, like haunted houses, like, like Six Flags haunted houses or whatever. Those are clearly fake. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to things where it's like, oh, this person was murdered brutally or this person was... Uh, I, like I was telling you that there's a house in like New Orleans where it's uh, the house of Marie Laveau, who's like a slave owner who like uh, experimented on all of her slaves and like cut them open and let like would slit their stomach and leave them alone to see how last they sur- long they su- survived. Uh, like and people go into that house 
and they like tour and they're like, oh, this is the house where she like chained four slaves up and had them fight each other to the death. Like I'm, I'm okay. I don't, <laughs> and I have been in situations where, you know, let's just put it like this. I've dated, a, I have dated a fair share of uh, Caucasian women who find that type of thing very interesting. And I, and they'll be like, let's go do this. And I'm like, why would I, I no, no. Beyond the fact that I, that, that is the recipe to dying in every horror movie that you'll ever see. Oh, I just don't, I don't fuck with it. I don't, it, it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'm like, it doesn't sit right with my soul. However you want to put it. I don't, I don't like, like, I fully believe, I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I do believe in haunting. Like, I do believe in like the bad energy of it. And mm-hmm. I, it, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Not to mention, I would say the black character in horror movies has a very short shelf life. <laughs> that's that's how we die: is we go and deal with go. And I'm no. hanging out with white people. <laughs> that one guy that hangs out with white exactly. People. These white people aren't so bad. Exactly. And then they end up dead. Not not I said the fly. Not me. <laughs> but I just feel like there is more of it. I would say there's more of a sense of community. I would say, like you said, with family and stuff like that, there's a more of a religious connection. And I don't know if that's just because that's that's what you had, you know, growing up, like you had your religion. Because I feel like, I guess, maybe growing up as a, as a Caucasian, like you have more of a privilege. You don't have these, I guess, things that you worry about that maybe the African-American or other minority community do worry about and so there is more religious and more like you know looking for either answers or assistance from beyond like not just not just the you know like with real humans like for you know like the religious the the god you know allah whoever you pray to like that i feel like they're like the minorities look for more divine intervention i would say would be the way for it so maybe yeah. maybe there is more of a connection there so that you know all that spiritual stuff is really you know even though it's not something you like worship but it's something that that's in the back of your mind that there's 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 evil around us yeah and it's i don't know like i haven't been to church in years i don't really subscribe to any religious beliefs but i do know for a fact that I just don't fuck with that. Like, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cursing up a storm on your podcast. Okay. But I just, I just don't. And, and it, it's weird too, because it's not like, it's not irrational, but it's not exactly a rational fear. You know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, I just don't fuck with devils, demons, and ghosts and all of that. But like, it will, I will like react this because people have tried. They've been like, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I, I react very, uh, you know, like anybody who has like a kind of fear. It's like at first you're very polite about it. Like, no, no, no. And then you get forceful. And then you start reacting very viscerally where you're like, absolutely fucking get that shit the fuck away from me. And that's, that's how I'll, I'll be like, no, no, no. And then people will start being like, no, come on, like, let's, no. So you've never like tried to try to conquer it or you're just you're just better off with like ignorance is bliss. 
is ignorance is bliss. I'm good. Like I don't I don't understand people like ghost hunters and shit like that where they go specifically into haunted mansions like real like oh like I said Tomo was murdered here or mm-hmm. 18 virgins were raped and then killed. Like no, I'm not fucking with that. It, that just seems like bad juju to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then I don't and they're like, oh, if you sit quietly, you can feel the haunting of the. No, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to conquer it. I don't want to experience it. I don't because my luck is I would go into one of those things, and then the ghost would like follow me back to my house, and now I'm haunted. Look, I don't want that. I don't know. First of all, why do you think you're so popular? The ghost is like this guy cool to kick it with. You just think? I mean, that- first off. Have, Listen, have you met me, Perio? I'm I'm very <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. No, I I don't know, man. I the ghost, you might be right. The ghost might be re, re, repelled by me. It might be like, "Ugh, look at this piece of shit." But still, I would think it would want to go with the person that it could like can communicate with cuz it's like you would being the extrovert. Like it's just they want to they want to talk and stuff and they're just stuck with some introvert that doesn't that doesn't respond, so they just have to. They move on to a new, a new person that maybe, <laughs> maybe can actually sense their presence. Like, oh, finally, you you contacted me. Yeah, no, I'm. Mm. So, have you ever messed with a Ouija board? Have you ever like? Do you mess with Ouija boards or anything like that? Even. Nope, no. Nope. And in fact, every time I see one of them things, especially in movies, I'd be laughing. I'd be like. Fucking white people. I cannot tell you the amount of time I've sh- shaken my head and said fucking white people in in, in a movie. Because <laughs> I, I do not... I've never messed with a Ouija board. Um, the closest thing I might have done, even in regard close to any of that, would be like playing light as a bed, a feather, stiff as a board as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's it. I, I know people who are real witches who are like who pray to the devil and like that I'm not gung ho about you praying to the devil, but listen, baby girl, whatever works for you works for you. But even that that is less freaky to me than the idea of like being haunted by a real ghost. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I just I don't under I, I really don't understand the I guess the concept of prayer for me. Because it's one of those things like it doesn't matter who you pray to at some point you've got to do it. It's not it's not them you have it to me it's all you. Like I would I as a religious person, I feel like if a supreme, you know, being loved me, like supposedly loves you like nobody else, why do I have to commit a day to you? I would think that you would know my love is implied and be cool. But I have to take a whole day off and and pray to you and thank you and that doesn't seem yeah, like sure. that doesn't seem like somebody that loves me. That someone feels like they just need to feel powerful, and I feel like yeah. To me, I've always just been like it's about it's it's you. It's somehow you know you've got to make things happen. It's kind of like. I would say it's also, we talked about, I was talking to another comic about like dating and stuff. I was like, it's not, it's not a lightning bolt that, that, that hits you. It's, it's like the rain. It's, it's mm-hmm. not going to be something that you're, you're just completely, it's like, this is a sign. Like it's just immediate. 
it's just a it's like a rain it's just a steady drip of constant opportunities that you can or can't you you can choose to take or choose not to take i feel like that's how i've always approached life is just you know try to try to you know take advantage of many raindrops as i can and maximize those rather than look for the one big thunderbolt sign that i should be you know that i'm doing this people that's how people approach comedy too is they'll is they'll look for that one blazing sign that you know that netflix is looking for them and i'm like but you have to somehow take these little opportunities and weave them and make a tapestry of it's it's one of those things where it's like in every religion no matter which religion you believe in there there's this kind of like sentiment i think of like any god will only do for you what you do for yourself right like they'll mm-hmm. help you in as much as you help help yourself which i think is like very one it kind of defeats the purpose of an all-powerful deity but like what you were saying there are going to be little steps you can take to achieve your goal and you waiting for some like grandiose sign saying this is the way goes counter is counterproductive inherently to you actually yeah. taking the steps to do to achieve your goal yeah and i just i feel like some people get those things construed and again that goes back to the like the a lot of the haunted hang is is just is just ancient religions also interwoven with christianity and things like that it just i feel like haunted houses and stuff are just it's just basically it's spiritual oppression <laughs> like the when you look at the ancient bible and stuff like the lutheran bible like when he wrote the Bible, the Bible was was chained closed, like they were wrapped it in chains, so you couldn't read it. And so I feel like there's always this completely, you know, about religion, and then there are those that that are wanting more, and the people that are wanting more are kind of threatening the status quo of what religious religion is, which is it's a it's an ability to kind of. Yes, in some ways it helps mold society into doing the right things and being a good person. But eventually, I feel like there's just too much temptation to not allow, I guess, growth. And so it's it's like there's a there's always this fear of change and and progression. Like we should be, we should stay the same. And I feel like that's different. As like you, as getting older, as like you just want to grow. I mean. There's so much knowledge that I've gotten just by doing stand-up that I would have never had had I not done this. And I feel like that's yeah. that's where all this haunted house stuff comes from, is it's just a it's a way to to try to hold society back. And it's, you know, all these people that were murdered and stuff where they're just they're kind of they're just it's like either they're insane or they're, you know, they just want to they're sad in their own ways. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I totally get what you're saying too. Cause it's like, you know, why would I want, you know, I already have anxiety about my life as it is. Why do I want to go, you know, add to add more anxiety to this of you might, you know, be contacted. Yeah. And I think even if it, there's an element also of like, even if this isn't true, maybe like ghosts don't exist. You're, you're venerating like this, this kind of like negative energy right you're venerating this like bad thing that happened and uh, that's just not something that's not conducive at all anyway 
Exactly. You're just basically you're preserving the tragedy of a a historical tragedy for your own gain. Yeah, that's a fair thing, because everybody, you know, talks about like monuments and things like that with the with the I guess the. You know, just I guess the progression of society is, I guess, more minorities, you know, are naturalized. Like we're the uh, Pung and Tony Hinchcliffe situation. I was I was explaining to people like I don't understand, you know, jokes are jokes. I'm like, but to certain I was like, they're jokes, but they're not as funny as they are now because the people that these jokes are about are no longer just immigrants or, you know, they're not from another country. Their, their kids are born here and they're grown up as adults. And it's now you're getting more now Asian American communities, Latin American communities. It's not, it's not, it's not Mexican, you know, Mexicans or Chinese. It's, it's an Asian community. These people are, have lived here long enough to have children that are now adults and those children are now the ones that are saying hey my i'm not gonna sit here and just laugh at you like my grandfather and my father did because my grandfather and father wanted to stay in this country no i'm an american citizen and i'm here to tell you that that's actually offensive that my dad even though he smiled and laughed at your joke came home and it affected him and I'm not going to yeah. be it. And that's where people, I think, don't realize that, yes, in the moment, those people may have laughed, but that's not because they thought it was funny. It's because they didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Because there's nothing else they can do. It's not like they can, they can, they didn't have the ability to cancel. Those people were afraid for their livelihood and how they would provide for their loved ones. Yeah. And people don't see that. People, I, I, you know, a lot of my, I would say my racial peers don't see that. They just see it as, you know, we're just, ri- you know, the elbow and the, hey, we're just kidding with you. But some people yeah. don't want to be j- kidded with. They don't want to be joked about. And I get that. Or maybe just not in that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a, you know, there's a, I think there's a threshold and there's a, not to sound like my parents, but like there's a time and a place, right? And yeah. it's like, was the joke funny? is debatable but like the context in which he said it and the people he's it's maybe maybe not everyone's gonna find what you say funny and i think that's the key thing is right it's like not everyone's gonna find what you say funny and you can't begrudge people for feeling justifiably a way about your joke towards them yeah and that that was what i was just trying to explain to him i was like you know as like there was a time period that that it was okay to put, you know, put hands on a woman. And like, we've, we've progressed past that. We we're growing as a society and I get, and I get that some people don't, it's a whirlwind to them that all of a sudden, Hey, we can't do that. We can't, you know, we can't, we're just, we feel like we're getting things taken away. It's like, no, we're not, we're just growing. We're realizing that even though those things happen, that maybe they weren't supposed, they shouldn't have. It's not that they didn't, yeah. it's whether we should. And I get drawn into it. I get the the comedian side that you know that you don't want anything to not be off limits. But I, at the same time, you're not showing it in a creative way. Yeah, it's it's not it's not that it's off limits per se. Like the idea of joking about 
someone being Asian or I, cause I don't think, I think as comedians, there's this sense, like you said, there's this sentiment where they're like, Oh, why can't we joke about it? It's like, it's not that you can't joke about it, but like maybe the standards of what would have been considered funny mm-hmm. towards that, that subject have changed. So if you're going to make a joke about it, now you have to adhere to the new standards. It has to be funnier. It has to be a better written joke in a way that like, it doesn't immediately come off as offensive because if a joke a joke can be offensive the the ratio the joke the thing is it has there's a ratio to it it has to be more funny than it is offensive mm-hmm. and that changes with the times but like unf- and you know maybe we're at a point where now a joke has to be that type of joke has to be more funny in one way than it is offensive but like yeah. that's the nature of our job but yeah, it's, I feel like it's a scale that's balancing and it's slowly we're getting to this point. Like, again, more people with alternative like immigrants, alternative lifestyle and all that stuff's becoming more normalized. And bec- as it becomes more normalized, they have more of a voice in society and they're starting to use that voice. And the people that that don't want to, I guess, progress or not realizing that, hey, your audience isn't predominantly white or, you know, there's going to be alternative lifestyle LBGP couples. And there's, there's going to be, you know, a room of, of Asian Americans. There's going, we're, we're starting to get to all your, your audience is now more color than it used to be. Yeah. And you have to somehow make that universally funny and do it without just you know the very low low hanging fruit jokes because they stereotypical stuff is going to go away because these people have a voice and they're going to say that's not funny and they're going to say it in a what because in a way it's not like in some and some of them they're not funny and when it's not funny they're yeah. going to let you know that hey I don't appreciate. That, that this is the what you portray me as and i think that i think you hit the nail on the head though is that it's it's now the standard is beyond the low-hanging fruit and some people are going to feel a certain type of way about like oh i can't you know i can't do the easy joke but it's like if you were the type of person that wanted to get the easy joke off every time then maybe comedy wasn't for you to begin with yeah and then, and that's just kind of something I've watched over the 15 years I've done stand-up is just how the times have changed and how I would say, you know, even though people, I would say we're more impatient now than we were when I started. I think that society with social media and all the information that's out there just think that everything should move so quickly. And I was like, it just doesn't. And as like we are changing, we are getting better. There, there are things you go watch. Like I watched Con Air, and I wild. They had Showtime. They had Wild Hogs on, and it's like you you go watch Wild Hogs, which is now a fifteen year old movie. But some of the jokes in there, it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, like kind of. I don't think they could they could actually say those now. Like some of the jokes in in Wild Hogs, which is pg-13 at best 
and there's yeah. still there's still like there's like homophobia references throughout that movie. Yeah, I mean, you look at things like the scary the scary movie series, right? Like mm-hmm. scary movie one, which is funny, but like the villain, the villains are are like which I, I spoiler alert for a almost twenty year old movie, but like the villains are like two gay characters, two secretly closeted gay characters. Um, and the the joke is that they're gay, that they, they and it's like you can't that's not flying in today's society. Yeah. <laughs> You're not pitching that to a, 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 a an executive. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna get And that's why I tell people it's like go back and look at some of this. So look at TV in the seventies. They were they were able to say racial slurs on on live national TV. I'm not talking like HBO or Netflix. I'm talking like ABC, CBS, NBC had go watch Archie Bunker. Like there were <laughs> actual hate, like almost like hate speech in the 70s. And and I get that 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 some of that stuff's funny, but as you it's 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 funny because you don't know the meaning of it. And as people learn the meaning yeah. of it, then you start to see that that stuff gets pulled off of TV. Like, again, when I was a kid in the 60s or 70s and early 80s, the gay man was the comic relief. Like, he always, like Jack Tripper, commonly mm. stereotyped as a straight guy that pretends to be gay and how outlandish. And that was the only character gay people were, were just the flamboyantly, you know, comic relief. You know, they were the foil to the straight man. Even like like shit like Will and Grace, which was like very ahead of its time for when it came out, is like still you look at it in today's lens and you're like, ooh, this is uh this might be a little bit problematic. Yeah. Or something like uh fuck, what's the Sex in the City, which for you know, very ahead of its time for like presentation of like women being yeah. comfortable in your sexual with like yeah. your sexual uh, sexualness and still. Very problematic. They're making jokes about how Samantha, I think it, Samantha, 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 Samantha's a whore. And it's like, you can't <laughs> get away with those jokes today. Well, some of that stuff, the, the behavior stuff you can, but I was just thinking like I'm pure racial or stereotyping. Like you see shows like uh, they have, they have, you know, LGBT shows on Showtime, HBO, like series, like we had true blood, but I mean, like it's mm-hmm. the, you know, the real life kind of maybe glamorized a little bit, but more day to day of, you know, LGBT, you know, homosexual. And it's, and it's just, it it's just becoming more of a normal thing. And I, I, mm-hmm. pre- it's, it's very neat to see, but people are like, why is this happening? I'm like, because there are people that still want to drag their heels don't want to let go of when they had you know when they ruled the world basically because it's it's a scary thing i i cannot you know mm-hmm. it's a scary thing to think at some point you're not going to have control and so you're going to fight tooth and nail to keep what control you have and it's religious oppression it's you know that's one thing like i i don't like the churches i feel like sometimes it's it's oppressive and I feel like again, it 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 breeds all this haunted stuff because it's always people. It's people that are, 
either religious, you know, this guy's an outcast, and so the townspeople, religious townspeople, banded together and took it upon themselves to take his life or brand them as witches in, in the Northeast. So, you know, these this woman didn't have a husband, lived out by herself. Mm-hmm. I think she's a witch. I think we should, you know, we need to drown her in a lake. Witch burner. Yeah. Things like that. And I, it's all, I feel like it all comes back to Again, wanting to make sure your religion's the right religion. And so any kind of dissension or whatever was, hmm, in my book, this seems like you're an evil person. This is what we do to evil. And it's just terrifying. It's That's to me is the scary part of the haunted house is just the belief that that they're, what they were doing was right and that, you, that, that it, it empowered you to take the law into your own hands, which... I don't understand if you're a Christian how you can, you know, look past thou shalt not kill, but she's a witch, but I mean, still, you're you're breaking that commandment. Yeah. I mean, like, we, well, we could go on for days about how, you know, Judeo-Christian beliefs and, like, things like the Ten Commandments are, 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 are less commandments, and if you look historically, are more like general guidelines that very routinely are tossed to the side, you know, and... I, yeah, that does have like an aspect to, to do with like that kind of like negative energy. I'm sorry if you can hear my roommates in the background. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of like negative energy is like propagated throughout society and it does kind of like lend itself negatively to like how how everyone like operates and belief systems. It's But it's it seems like it's always the flashpoint to all these haunted house places that you know these haunted locations where it's you know a group of people believed in one thing and because of that they were persecuted and murdered and and once in one lens that's cool that you're you're giving them you know publicity and you're wanting to tell that story but to make me stay in a prison or walk through like a Ouija, like a walking we, like a walking Ouija board, through this whole you know tragedy. I just think it's a, it's just a sad, it's a sad piece of history, and I, I understand that some, you know, history should be preserved. But I was like, you can't write a book. You just got to do this, you know. You got to do this thing. Yeah. yeah. I also think there's like a, a, a sentiment of like fear of the unknown yeah. out of it, right? Where it's like. This is, and and it, it that is like the basis of religion, right? It's like the fear of the unknown. These things we can't explain. We explain through the perception of something greater than myself, right? Like all religion is predicated on the belief that something greater than yourself is causing you these things that you don't know. And that fear of the unknown calls you to make whether or not it religion, your religious belief is is true is another argument. But like that historically, that's what caused you know, the concept of religion to kind of come into being. It's like, hey, these things greater than us must be caused by something greater than us, that that fear. Mm-hmm. And this is like a delineation of that fear where it's like, hey, these things, these horrible things that have happened through, you know, fear or through like persecution or whatever have manifested or have alleged to have manifested in this thing and into like a ghost or into a poltergeist or something. 
And me, I'm like, I, I'm good. I'm very much a, I see, I see with my eyes and I hear with my ears. And so that, that unknown, I, I, I'm good. (laughs) You know, that fear of the, like, we don't know what's around the corner. And I think like there's a lesser version of that in like even something as silly as like jump scares, right? Mm-hmm. Like people being like, boo. It's like, oh, we don't know where it's coming from, that unknown element. And now it's like, yeah, but this is like on a spiritual level. So, or a spiritual level. Well, this has been a great conversation, Jay. I enjoyed it. Where can people find you on social media if they want to check out your comedy? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. On social media, uh, I'm the same on all social media. Just uh, Jay Agbon was here. So J-A-Y-A-G-B-O-N was W-A-S here. Okay. H-E-R-E. Very Brooks. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, very much, very much. Uh, was just trying to figure out a nice place, to say, a nice thing to do and a, a nice like name to take. Um, and that just stuck out to me, but yeah, I like and it. you can find me on uh, YouTube at just look up Jag Bond comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, I'm um, all over. I'm on TikTok. Jag Bond was here. Okay. I'm out here trying to get, get the kids, man. You get the kids in, invested. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck with that. I like your, I like that tag though, as a comedian. Cause I mean, you could literally say that could be, you know, that's a great way to close your show. You know, you follow me. Jagbon was here. Cause you were, you were here. Yep. I was here. I had, I had like all last summer, I had like my, my, uh, so summer series where I was like putting up videos and I would I had like a Jay Agbon was here logo and I was like this is this is me man just to let you know I was like you said I was here I came okay. well you were here thank you for coming on the show talking about your fear <laughs> of haunted houses and thank you for having me so that was Jay that was a really good conversation I, I enjoyed that We got a little off topic talking about religious and racial oppression, but that kind of, a lot of this haunted, like, you know, things that happen with tragedies and things that happen in history that that are said to still be haunted are, you know, sometimes the injustice of people that were inspired to be that way. And other times it's just acts of cruelty. And it's it's something that, you know, we all struggle with is humanity. It's just something we all could work to get better at. And hopefully we will. Like we are, I feel we are moving in the right direction. It just, sometimes you wish it was quicker. And it just, there are times it's just not, that doesn't move that fast. So it was a real interesting conversation. I don't know how I would react to a real haunted house. Like I kind of, I dig the history, but at the same time, do you want to channel into other people's pain, you know, from that event? It's a, it's a very fine line. Like Mela Borowski, you know, does a lot of the stuff. She was my guest in like episode 50 where we talked about her face blindness, but she does a lot of haunted and spooky tours and stuff. 
And so some of this stuff, you know, there are things that should be told and other things, you know, that I wonder if they should be. And so you just, you walk that line, you live life, and you try to take it not too seriously. But it was a real interesting conversation. Check out Jay at Jay Agbon was here on all social media. Also check out his YouTube. He's got a show in D.C. called The Heavyweights. So check that out. The Heavyweights Comedy Show is a monthly showcase here in the Washington, D.C. area. So check them out. They're, they're doing some great things in the D.C. area. Mostly at the Crown of Crow. I thank you guys again for listening to some of all these podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. It, it helps the visibility of the show. I thank you guys for listening to the Sum of All Fears. Have a good week. Also, I will be at Hyenas in Fort Worth on Saturday, October the 30th. So come out, check out the 325 show. It's going to be three of our feature comics like myself doing 25 minutes each. Sure to be a fun time with two shows, 7 and 9.30. So check out the shows. Enjoy your week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S as well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at SomeFearFans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration also if you'd like to be a guest email me at somefearfans at gmail.com we can try to iron out some details and get that settled in you know give us some feedback if on apple google spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts leave a review it makes the show bigger and it's not going anywhere i'm going to record as many shows as i possibly can if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. On all social media platforms, you can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.